Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. I appreciate the championship, but Rudy T, this guy is not. I wasn't happy about it. I asked the guys to stop doing it. If you're not going to be committed, get your ass out of here. But you knew that the world of sports talk and old school R&B would collide on this podcast at some point. That's what you get when you have liquor sponsor and liquor. Man, that versus with Earth, Money, Fire, and the Isley Brothers with everything. Yeah, I'm Black Cosby before I'm in it. Because I wouldn't have made it to the NFL if not for HBCUs. Jackson State has more Hall of Famers than Florida State. Jackson State gave Dion an opportunity to be a head coach. My experiences through life on that SWAC tour, it was priceless. I wish every kid in the conference could have experienced that. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three. Two, one, and once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Oh! Mama, there goes that man. You Ladies and gentlemen, the star of our show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad to be back with you guys. So glad that you are here. And if you're coming back, certainly welcome back. And if this is your first time, welcome aboard. We hope to become a part of your podcast menu. Well, we have an absolutely fabulous podcast this time out as uh, we squeeze in a couple of guests. We hear from our European sports nerd, Eddie Robinson. Also, a very important conversation with the pioneer. Tiffany Green, the ESPN voice of HBCU football. She does play-by-play, and again, she's blazing trails, and we'll talk to her a little bit about the SWAC, about the SWAC championship, about her career. That's coming up, and also a number of other things. But first, let me remind you of a couple of things. If you want more information or to go back and listen to past episodes of the podcast, go to wadeswordproductions.com. That's wadeswordproductions.com. You can find out a little bit about all of the things under the Wade's Word Productions umbrella. And there's more to come. Because as you notice, I'm not, I hadn't had a, a podcast in a, in a little bit here. And it's been a minute, a longer than we're used to. But I've been working on a couple of other projects. And you'll know more about those things very, very soon. So you can go to Wade'sWordProductions.com. Also, I've arranged for you to be able to call me 24 hours a day. Now, I won't answer. But you can call. 832-941-6614. Leave a message, a question, a comment, feedback. Um, if you have something you want us to cover, if you have an event, if you want to tell us about who should draft whom, you can get in on any of that 24 hours a day on the sports line. Again, 832-941-6614. Also on social media at Wade's Word on Twitter. And, of course, you can join the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook. So in addition to those very important guests, we'll have some headlines and I will probably get on my soapbox for a little bit. And of course we will have a Lamont Award for the big dummy of the episode. And of course we'll hear from our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy and a word from our wonderful sponsors, uh, Cobank Homes. And so all that's coming up. So let's get started. Let's get into some Headlines! 
in headlines, we don't often talk about women's college basketball, but we do win a legendary coach in Kim Mulkey leaves the Baylor Lady Bears for LSU. She leaves that program, and it's significant because she's won more national championships with the Lady Bears than all men's programs combined in the state of Texas. So you only have like Baylor and Texas Western. Those are the only two men's programs that ever win. All those great five slamma jamma teams and U of H teams. No one else won a national championship other than those two. But Kim Mulkey has won three on her own. She's sort of been kind of weird a little bit politically and stuff with the COVID. And you kind of feeling like, oh, she might be on that, not canceled list, but on that list for review, getting mighty close there. So I don't know if there was some things behind the scenes going on. But who leaves after you built this program for 21 years? She leaves the uh, Lady Bears. But, man, she has done a tremendous job with Baylor, and they were kind of robbed this year in the Final Four. But nonetheless, good pickup for LSU. And I'm sure that Mac Rhodes, the athletic director of Baylor, he'll figure something out, and he'll work something out uh, to get a ample replacement. You can't replace a legend, but maybe you can get somebody adequate now that that program is established and rolling. So that's... That's something that we don't normally talk about. NBA, Kevin Durant comes back. He has 33 points in 28 minutes. So much for being rusty. The question is, can he and his fellow Brooklyn Nets stay healthy enough to make a legitimate run at the NBA championship? So, again, that seems to be the story in the NBA right now. Uh, Obviously, LeBron is out longer than he's ever been out as a player. And can they... Jail, Anthony Davis is back. And let's see what happens now. We're headed down the stretch. Maybe it's a foregone conclusion. It, it would set up for a great final if everybody's healthy, but there are a lot of teams that have something to say about it. Unfortunately, like Denver with Jamal Murray going out, man, that was a big blow. You'd like to see what they could have done uh, with a year of maturity and some additional pieces. We'll have to see what Milwaukee can do, what Philadelphia can do in the East. Uh, so we'll keep an eye out on that. But we've been, or I've been, focusing more on baseball. And this is a concerted effort. Look, I grew up like many folks and I'm loving baseball. And since I've been doing a sports talk show in Houston, the Astros rarely have dominated discussion. So I've been determined to say, you know what, we're going to talk more baseball and I'm going to try to bring the audience with me and we're going to talk more Astros. Because, I mean, obviously, we, through all of the scandals in the World Series championships, yes, we talked a lot of Astros, uh, but not nearly enough week to week and day to day. So we're going to talk a little bit more baseball because they had a significant series over the weekend. They took three of four from the Los Angeles Angels. And I will tell you this. They had a player emerge in Kent Emanuel. He only had the longest relief appearance since 1974 for a major league debut. This is a pitcher who's making his major league debut. He goes eight and two thirds after Jake Odorizzi goes out with some arm issues. He's on the IL. So after Jake Odorizzi goes down, Kent Emanuel steps in. And again, this is his debut. He goes eight and two thirds. He completed the game. He allowed five hits, two runs. He had five strikeouts. I mean, look, the guy did work. He stepped up in a major way, and that pitching staff is going to have to get it together. But, again, they won three out of four. McCullers, uh, Lance McCullers, he started, and they lost that game narrowly. But, again, the Astros are getting it turned around. After a great start, then they lose nine out of ten. Now they're bouncing back with an important series versus the Seattle Mariners. 
So in sticking with baseball, I want to talk about a series I mentioned on KTSU a few weeks ago. I've been talking about this one. It's the Dodgers and the San Diego Padres. It's a battle of the NL West, and nothing will stimulate a rivalry and baseball interest like beef. And so we have a little bit of beef. Now, over the weekends, guess what? It was shots fired. Shots fired! Shots fired! If you want to know what baseball beef looks like in 2021, look no further than the San Diego Padres versus the Los Angeles Dodgers. Now, early in this baseball season, these two teams have already met seven times. The Dodgers opened up winning two out of three in San Diego. And over the weekend, the Padres go into Chavez Ravine and win three out of four. So they have a 4-3 advantage on the season. But the reason why is because of a guy named Fernando Tatis Jr. He is one of the most exciting players in generations. There are a number of really exciting young players. Acuna, you have Soto in Washington. There's so many young, great players out there that are exciting to watch. So you definitely want to get involved with baseball now because there's a new crop of superstars that are emerging day in and day out on the baseball diamond. But in this series, in Los Angeles, he had five, count them, five home runs. He had two home runs off of Clayton Kershaw and two off of Trevor Bauer. So he hit four home runs in two days off of two Cy Young Award winners. That has never been done before in history. So you definitely want to look out for Tatis. But on one of those home run trots around the, the diamond, after he hit a home run off of Trevor Bauer, he covered one of his eyes. He sort of got, he was really animated, had fun, and covered one of his eyes. Now, people are like, what is that about? Well, that's in reference to Trevor Bauer in spring training, pitching to his opponents with one eye closed. I mean, sort of uh, having fun with it. But at the same time, it's sort of disrespectful. You know, a lot of people have problems with Trevor Bauer. He's been outspoken. He's been shipped around. He's just—he's one of those weird guys that only seem to exist in baseball. But he is a guy that you want to watch, of course, because of his prowess as a pitcher. But after the home run trot, after the game, to his credit, Trevor Bauer said, hey, you hit a home run off me, have fun, enjoy that. Then later, a video surfaced that appeared to show Fernando Tatis Jr., peeking down at the catcher's signs to Bauer. And on that pitch, Tatis takes it out of the ballpark. So you know Trevor Bauer wasn't going to let that go. So what does he do? He says, hey, if you want to know what the pitch is, ask Daddy nicely. And then, of course, they go back and forth on Twitter. So it sets up a rivalry that is intensified over the season. And this is not the first time. They've exchanged words a couple of times. And you want to keep an eye out for the next time these two teams meet. But, yeah, it's definitely a baseball rivalry, and it's worth checking out. So uh, go back and uh, read up on that and look at it because it's a whole lot of fun. And that is what makes the game of baseball exciting in 2021. Not just that, but that's one of the things that is making this season very very, very exciting. So with that, let's get into our conversation with someone from our special teams unit, former NFL linebacker Eddie Robinson. He's also our European sports nerd. Now, this is a guy who played 11 years in the NFL, and he's from New Orleans, but yet he loves all things European sports. So I give him room. One of my concessions on the podcast is I'll allow him to vent and talk a little bit 
about some European sports. So I have to indulge him, but we get his take on a number of things. And also, uh, as you'll hear, he was on the move, on his way to baseball practice. He's dedicated years, uh, year after year after year, to coaching young uh, kids in the inner city. And uh, he's doing work. He does great work, but we caught him on the go. So he kind of, he looked in and out in this conversation. But here's our conversation with Eddie Robinson. Welcome aboard, Eddie. Glad to talk to you again. How are you this afternoon? Oh, everything's going good, man. Just enjoying this springtime weather in Houston. The best time to live here. So do you know what today is? Do you know what today is? Monday. No, it's it's a significant day in <laughs> your life. This is a What is that? Today is your NFL birthday. Really? Today, uh, well, is, and, today was the day I was drafted. Is that what yeah, you're saying? That's it. In 1992, you were drafted on this day. So welcome. Happy NFL birthday to you. A second-round draft pick, Mike Hollivac, picked you up. And, uh, hey, the NFL hadn't been the same since. So congratulations, man. Do You you don't celebrate this day? This was the day that your life changed. Or what, do you celebrate the day the contract was signed? Well, I, I, if I had to sign, if I had to pick one day, I'd probably go with the day that the that the contract was signed. <laughs> but you know, this I guess thinking about the draft party, and it's funny you said this. I was just in New Orleans, and the house that I grew up in, my mom still has that same house. She rents it out, and so it was, the house was empty, and she just had it, you know, redone for the next tenant to move in. So I went into my old room, and I was sitting in that room, and I was like. Looking at it has two windows, one on the back, one on the side is a corner lot. And I and I thought about all those things. And I actually thought about the NFL draft. It all kind of came right through me. And now here you, Devin Wade, bring it back home because 10 days later, it was the day I was drafted. And I because I had and the reason I say that was because I had a draft party in the house. And uh, that's where I was at with my family on the day I got drafted, which was like a, a huge moment for anybody. And, and, and that was no different. And knowing I was going to Houston right up the road to I-10 and gotten, and have a chance to play with the, the legendary Hall of Famer Warren Moon, I mean, that was a highlight for me, no doubt. So did you do the thing where you got a bunch of money from your agent before and you got your car and some new clothes before the draft? Or did you do it the right way? <laughs> no, I, I never did that. But but fortunately, I'm a captain. It was the trading Hold on, you're breaking up on me. So say that again. I said back then it was like the trading cards, like the, you know, like the, the football cards. Right. So everybody was trying to get the rookies to sign football cards. So you would sign all these football cards and they would send you $10,000 in the mail, man. So you think I'm still at Alabama State, man. I'm still driving the, the white blazer. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> and then I got like enough money in my pocket for a cheeseburger. And they're like, hey, man, you sign these 500 cards. And we're going to send you a check for $10,000. Like, how fast can I sign them? You know what I'm saying? So, so once I did that, I was no longer broke. And then from that point on, my friends have always been asking me to buy the first draft. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man, man. But that's an awesome thing. And, it's, I mean, I love the draft. I just love watching it because it's transformative for not oh, only that player, but for the family. And you think about all of the struggles, especially, of course, you know, with African-American players who you know had a hard time. And I know you didn't have quite – it wasn't like that for you per se, but, you know, for so many of them, they don't have much at all. And to to see them become instant millionaires, is a, it's nothing like that in society where you can 
see someone instantly become, uh, you know, you can see the day, the moment, the time that their lives change forever. Uh, it's a fascinating thing. So I love the NFL draft. And speaking of which, and, and I'm not getting deep into the NFL draft because I'm just not. But because we, you're a Texans fan, go ahead. Say well, it. You're a Texans no, fan. I'm not. A, no, you're not picking anybody. Well, <laughs> no, it's not that I'm a Texans fan, but obviously, yeah, you're right. Isn't that it's not as relevant for my listening audience here in the city, of Houston. I don't. I just don't have a, a dog in the fight. I really have been watching what happens with Russell Wilson uh, in New Orleans. Of course, you know it was interesting that Drew Brees steps down and retires. Jameis takes over. It's it's news out there, and obviously Deshaun is big, big news. But the draft itself, obviously, is four quarterbacks. Those seem to be the big stories. And the kid out of Florida, the tight end. What's your take? Your general overall take on the the at least the first round of this NFL draft. Well, I think the draft, first of all, is a crap. There's, there's no guarantee that any player is going to go on to be a starter, a pro bowler, or a Hall of Famer. In the quarterback position, out of those four, it's a highly likely chance that three of them won't make it. I can't tell you which three. It may be the fifth rounder who's the best kid in the draft. And so it's one of those things where you're drafting people based on, based on potential. And, you know, my coach always told me potential means that you ain't done it yet, son. <laughs> so we still waiting on you. And so it's, it's great for the kids. It's great for the fans because everybody gets excited with a lot of energy. But it's just no guarantee of how it's going to work out. And that's just the nature of the draft. You know, it's just one of those things. Now, I want to shift gears because well, before I leave football, I do want to ask you about the SWAG championship happening Saturday, an abbreviated season. Do you think the fact that the SWAG went during the spring and, and held their season in the spring, did it pay off for them in your opinion? Well, I think so. I think it was a, I think it was a good thing because all of the attention was on us. It was nobody else playing. So we were the only football game in town. And so we got a lot of notoriety in that. And, uh, and I think it was great for football and great for the swag. So you have Alabama A&M taking on uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff. Being from uh, Alabama State, do you just instantly root against Alabama Pine A&M? Bluff. Let's go. Let's go to Pine Bluff. Hey, no doubt, man. I, I was, <laughs> bro, that's easy. Come on, man. Alabama State, Alabama A&M. Hey, un- unless the school is about to close. Like, if they're about to close down Alabama A&M, then I would come to their rescue. I would send them a check. And I would do everything I have in my power to keep them open just so we could beat them next year again in the back city class. That's the only reason I would want them to stay open. Other than that, Alabama State, Hornets. Well, hey, well, like I said, we'll, it'll be interesting to see a big game on Saturday to conclude this abbreviated spring season. want to ask you a couple things before we let you get out of here. Baseball. I've been pumping up baseball. I've been watching baseball, talking more about baseball, trying to really? bring I've been trying to bring my audience with me, man. I've been trying to get the the the, the KTSU listeners on board and we're going to be talking more baseball on the podcast. It was a an epic series over the weekend with the Dodgers and the Padres. And Fernando Tatis was just absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on what happened over the weekend? Yeah, I mean, Tatis, I mean, he just seems like he's that next 5-2 player. And uh, very exciting. Uh, I think we need that type of energy in baseball. You know, you know, I, I've been coaching uh, African-American kids, inner-city kids, and youth baseball. And so, you know, I, I think Prime, Coach Prime, Dion said it best. He said, baseball is not sexy. You don't have cheerleaders at the game. And so our kids just don't gravitate towards it because it's, it's just not moving. It's not a, it's not exciting to the eye. But once you get into it and realize, 
you know, like the athletic ability of a Tatis, what it does on the baseball field. And it just can, it just can like, you know, Mike Trout, those type of guys, you know, Mookie Betts. I mean, it's, it's just so much more when you have that type of athletic ability on the baseball field and you have the skill set to go with it. So, I mean, I, I love it from the standpoint of I'm hoping it attracts more of those football, track, basketball kids, you know, who, who I would like to see play baseball. But yeah, it was a great series. that I didn't catch all of the games, you know, because I watch the Yankees every day. But, you know, when there's another good game on, I'll check it out or if the Yankees aren't playing, which is, you know, very seldom. Well, the Astros won three out of the four against the uh, Los Angeles Angels, so they're riding the ship a little bit. So what are your thoughts on the Astros? I know you used to go before the COVID uh, pandemic. You used to go to the ballpark a lot, right? Absolutely. And, and this this week I'm going, I think they play Seattle, so I'm going Wednesday night. And also Thursday, I love the businessman special. Like whenever there's a 1 o'clock game during the week, those are my favorite baseball games. It's not that crowded. You know, you get your bag of peanuts. Even if we were having 100 lost seasons, I would still go to the businessman special because it's just great being at the ballpark on a nice day. You know, the grass is cut. The field's looking nice. And it's just an enjoyable way to spend the afternoon. So even if you're not a big baseball fan or you don't know exactly what's going on, it's just a great day to get out of the office, to get out of the get out of the workplace and, and just go socially distant and, and enjoy a ball game. And so – I mean, luckily down here we have a, a downtown stadium. It's just minutes from my house, and um, it's just a great atmosphere to, to be in the major league ballpark. So I, I always try to catch a couple games. So I'll, I'll see a couple games in this series. Well, that's good. So you, you brush up on your baseball because I'll be hitting you up with some more baseball conversation. And we got a little bit of time before we get into the NBA playoffs. Uh, but Kevin Durant did come back. Want to ask you, you're our European sports nerd. Uh, and you, I saw our guy. He came in second. He came in second last time. Uh, and where, where were they? In Italy? Uh, yes, they were in Italy. Uh, I, I forgot the name of the track. Emola. Emola is like one of the famous uh, Italian tracks. So yeah, so man, Lewis uh, Hamilton I mean, the, came the, the, from. The sports, yeah, he was in the fourth. Sports spring season is is just is moving right along. It's a lot of excitement. The F one is really picking up. It seems like uh, Max Verstappen and Red Bull will really put a challenge to Lewis Hamilton. Like he's going to have to earn this eighth title. Like he he tied the great Michael Schumacher, so they both have seven world titles. So now he's trying to bump to eight, where he can then statistically be the greatest driver of all times. And and so he's. He's still breaking a lot of records, but Red Bull and Max Verstappen is looking really good this year. And it's kind of they have a little salary cap in Formula One, so that should be interesting. And, and also, you know, they come to Austin every year, and I'm expecting you to be in Austin with me. But also in 2022, there's going to be another F1 race in America, which will be in Miami. So I think having a race in Miami and in Texas is just huge for F1 in the U.S. And, but now what they really have to do is get an American driver, and I think that way you'll really get the the U.S. fans involved. But right now, um, you know, Lewis Hamilton is, is still cruising along, and so it should be a fun season. Well, yeah, you have to tell me more about this Austin trip. How can folks reach you on social media? Well, I'm at DRob50 on Instagram and Twitter. And, uh, hey, next time you're going to have to give me a little bit longer segment because we have, you know, the the, the Giro d'Italia is coming up. It's a lot of, you know, great bicycle races and, and F1. And, and so 
You got to get a little more. Soccer is going. <laughs> Come on, man. You, you, you got to think global. Well, like, you know what? I have a... Houston, Texas. I know football is big in Texas. But you got to think global, man. Well, look, I, you, speaking of which, I have a soccer expert on that'll be on not this episode, the next episode, talking about the fiasco with the Super League. So, yeah, I'm on it, man. I'm okay. international with this I thing. So we'll, we'll catch up. But I'm just doing this because you're baseball practice. But happy draft birthday again, man. You need to hey, buy, man, buy me a I, drink, I, man. I appreciate you pointing that out. And uh, I'm going to have to do a little post on Instagram to let everybody know this year – uh, what would that have been? Twenty nine years ago, drafted in the second round. Man, who would have thought it? Yeah, a little kid that grew up in Indian Village down in Gentilly in New Orleans, baby. You heard? Well, hey, <laughs> drinks on you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> From that point on, it was drinks on me. Exactly. Hey, Eddie got the check. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll catch up soon, man. Have a good baseball practice. All right. Thank you. All right. For more content, go to WaveWordProductions.com. I want to thank Ed, as always, his uh, NFL birthday. And you know what? He, he started to get going on that European sports stuff, and uh, he almost got the cricket sound effect, but he cut it short just in time. But he joined us on his way or while he was just about to get started with baseball practice. With that, I want to take a time out, come back on the other side. We still have a lot more to go, including a great conversation with Tiffany Green, the ESPN play-by-play person for HBCU football and more, um, but she's a pioneer, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. We also have the Lamont Award, and of course, a whole lot more, including me getting on my soapbox, maybe, but we also are going to hear from our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast, anywhere you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple. And it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832 757 7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams.
Welcome back. Music from our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. Check him out on SoundCloud and on Instagram. DJ Anarchy, he's doing his thing in a major way. But if you have music and you'd like it played on our podcast, if you are a fledgling artist or a DJ and you want your mix heard, we'll play a portion at the halfway point and an extended portion at the end or an entire song at the end of an episode. Just hit us up, music at wadeswordproductions.com. That's music at wadeswordproductions.com. In addition to that, you can uh, support the podcast by going to LiberaPay, L-I-B-E-R-A-P-A-Y, all one word, LiberaPay.com, and searching for the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. And there you can make a contribution, safe, secure, a contribution to the podcast to help us continue to grow and grow and get bigger and better. There are many things we have on the horizon as the nation starts to open back up. We will start to move around. There are possibilities for us to have remotes in other places, other cities, and all around the city of Houston. So that's uh, coming up, but we need your help and your support to uh, keep this thing going and growing and getting bigger and better. So with that, a lot has happened since the last time I've come to you. So uh, briefly, ever so briefly as I can be, uh, I'm going to climb aboard my soapbox. When we are together, we got power. And now it's time to get on the soapbox. This is the portion of the podcast where I usually talk about something not necessarily related to the world of sports because, in the words of Bobby Womack, it may help you on your merry way, right? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) I don't know. But nonetheless, since the last time I've come to you, the Derek Chauvin uh, verdict came in, and I think the operative word was relieved. Most people were relieved. There was a lot of uncertainty, a lot of uh, tension around this verdict. Uh, Of course, I have to admit I was as well. We here in the city of Houston are a little bit closer to it. At KTSU, we're right across the street from Yates High School where George Floyd uh, went to high school. And, of course, we're part of the Third Ward community. And George Floyd was interviewed by my co-host on uh, Sports Talk, Ralph Cooper, many, many times, many years ago when he played football for Yates uh, and before he went on to eventually go to Minneapolis and, and do the things that he did with his life after high school. So that being said, I think, and I put this statement out on Instagram and on Facebook uh, because I think it's important that we re-envision and, and engage in all of these flawed systems that are designed to create inequality. That means we have to pay attention, not just march, but we do have to read and understand policy and make a phone call or send an email to our representatives. Make these people accountable. Now, we still have the sentencing going on, but in the meantime, there have been other police shootings. And I just think that, and I've said this before, I think it boils down to we don't define properly what the occupation of police officer is. It's service first. If you approach it from that standpoint and understand that you're a servant, you're not a Rambo or whatever cop, whatever version of a police officer. I mean, if you think about the imagery around what we see on television, we always see cops and police officers cutting corners and we root for the officers to maybe walk that line close to violating somebody's rights or we want him to shoot and kill the bad guy. Well, that mentality has permeated for generations. 
And so we have a skewed view of what police officers are. They're also tax collectors. And I've said this before. What happens is they are there because in areas like, um, say, suburban Houston and other areas just like it, people don't want to pay taxes. No one wants to pay taxes. So what do you do? You say, well, let's get a very vigilant police force to write millions of dollars in tickets to supplement the shortcomings where we don't collect taxes. For past episodes or more content, go to wagewordproductions.com. I want to get into our conversation with Tiffany Green. She is the Charlie Neal of this generation. If you don't know who that is, he's synonymous with being the voice of black college football on television. She is doing something very, very special, and I wanted to hear from her, and I wanted to acknowledge her and really illuminate and lift her up a little bit because what she's doing is, as a black female, she's doing play-by-play for football. Now this, I mean, I don't know how many of you understand how significant this is, but she is a, a barrier breaker, and she's doing great work. She'll be calling the SWAC championship game with Jay Walker, and we wanted to talk to her about her journey. And in addition to that, we wanted to talk about the SWAC spring schedule and the championship game and FAMU coming into uh, the SWAC. So all of those things and a little bit more. We did have uh, some uh, connection issues, so I apologize for that. But I think if you bear with the, the conversation, we go in and out of there. We get through that for the most part. But it was a great conversation, and I know that you'll enjoy it. Here is Tiffany Green of ESPN. Hey. Good afternoon. So glad that you are joining us. It is so infrequent that I get an opportunity to speak with a true pioneer. And that's exactly what you are. First and foremost, how are you? You doing well this afternoon? I'm doing great. Great. Glad to be here. So many times when you talk about the swag and HBCUs, we don't celebrate our own enough. And one of the reasons why I wanted to speak to you is because you are breaking ground being a a female play-by-play person doing football, major college football. So how did you get started with that? How did that get going for you? And do you feel a sense that you are a pioneer in those ways? Uh, Absolutely. And I don't know if you want the the long story or the short story. I don't know how much time we have. As much as you uh, want. (laughs) I'll give you the abridged version of how I got into it. I really paid my dues in local television. That's where I got my start. And then it wasn't until I was with a 24-hour sports network called Bright House Sports Network in Orlando that I really got to expound upon some of the foundation that I got at Florida A&M University when I was a student there in the School of Journalism and Graphic Communication. I had done some play-by-play for radio, but it was so infrequent. And then I moved into news covering county commissioner meetings, house fires, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. When I got a chance to make my way back into sports, Bright House Sports Network was really the platform that allowed me to do just a little bit of everything within the sports world, from hosting, sideline reporting, anchoring consistently, as well as play-by-play. And so that was really my, my, my first full-time foray into doing so. And then from that point forward, I had the opportunity to do some, some games at the Wide World of Sports which is obviously connected to 
ESPN at Walt Disney World. And then from there, uh, Fox Sports 1 allowed me the opportunity to call the inaugural season of Big East Women's Basketball. So that was my real catapult to the national scene. And from there, uh, I've been with ESPN uh, full-time since 2015. When you talk about women that are doing play-by-play in football, uh, they're Few and far uh, in between when you talk about uh, Beth Mowens is the first one that I was able to find in 2005. Uh, Lisa Byington on some level that has done some stuff. And I know Amazon Mm -hmm. uh, with their streaming did a a feed with Andrea Kramer and Hannah Storm. So you, uh, as it pertains especially to HBCUs, you are the first. And is it an extra weight? Is there something that you feel as a woman that has uh, added an extra burden of being extra challenging or has have you found a, a little bit easier in some respects? Um, well, I will say, you know, there was Phyllis George, there was Gail Searns, you know, early, early on. Pam Ward really kind of laid the foundation uh, at ESPN, then Beth Moens um, as well, which is a much more recognizable face. Kate Scott, Lisa Byington, and all of the women that I'm naming to you are, are incredibly qualified, very much talented. But I'm the only woman of color. I'm the only black woman um, within that mix. And so there's another young lady out of uh, Canada, Megan McPeak, who is my sister mentor or mentee, if you will. Uh, She's also helping to break ground. But when you understand that there's just so few of us, when you say yes, women, but then you go even further and say black women, uh, you definitely feel a greater sense of responsibility because you just are trying not to mess it up for the next batch of women that are coming through. So it's, it's a, it's a double uh, edged sword, but at the same time, I find it as a great honor as well. It's incredibly humbling. Um, And so to me, I always feel like that is something that is never lost on me because I understand what it represents, what I represent And my desire is to be the best representation of what black women can do in this space. Want to ask you about, of course, you from FAMU and what how did that help you, especially in doing what you're doing now, understanding and be a part of the tradition of HBCU football? Well, it was my my training ground, right? And my foundational source. So I think I always say that. You know, FAMU and and J School in particular taught me literally everything that I needed to know about this business outside of office politics, which I feel like you just got to learn on the job anyway. I had incredibly caring professors who just rooted me on, allowed me to grow, blossom, challenged me in ways that, you know, really made me look inside to say, okay, how bad do you want this? And what are you willing to do to go after it? So I think that um, excellence with caring, which is the university's motto, was on full display when I was at FAMU. But two, the holistic experience of being at a historically black college or university, that's family, that's home. Iron sharpens iron. You know, nobody going to critique you like your own, right? So uh, oftentimes, if you weren't tight work, everybody would let you know right so you were always trying to bring uh the best of yourself there because you wanted to um not get clowned but but also try to find a way to set yourself apart and so 
Uh, again, FAMU was integral in, in my development as uh, a broadcaster and as a woman and an individual. Well, I know that uh, you do a lot of different things, but it seems like uh, the SWAC has especially adopted you. You seem to be the voice of the SWAC in many ways. Talk a little bit about your relationship with the conference. <laughs> well, I've gotten to know the conference, you know, over the past few years. I was a, a MEAC baby. And so um, when the opportunity came about to call games on ESPN, that was my kind of greater introduction into the mix of uh, SWAC football from Celebration Bowl to MEAC SWAC Challenge to our Thursday nighter um, Saturday games. And since then, I think that relationship has grown and blossomed. It's been watered on both sides um, because I think we both have a, a common goal in mind, right? To show the best of the Southwestern Athletic Conference, to show the best of black college football, to show the best of these student athletes. And so when you can link up and, and call games um, for a conference that is on the same page as you. It's, it's been really a neat experience. And, you know, you think you know HBCUs, but there's always like just a new little avenue, creek, crevice that you get to learn. And for me, boy, I, I'm just learning a whole new chapter of things um, through covering the SWAT. Being I, a, I mean, these are places I've never been before. Uh, I, I heard about them. I've seen people who graduated from them and knew them, but I'd never been to to certain spots. So for me too, it was exciting um, for me to learn um, just about some of the SWAT schools. Well, being a MEAC baby, as you mentioned, uh, fam, you now joins the SWAC. Do you have sort oh, yeah. of do you have mixed feelings about that? I mean, on one hand, it's making this super conference, but I know there are traditional rivalries that you guys may miss out on by leaving the MEAC. What are your thoughts on fam, you joining the SWAC? Well, here's the deal. I, at first, I was hesitant because I wasn't sure just how it would all play out. But as I've gotten to know uh, the SWAC, the fans – the coaches, the programs, and the tradition. I mean, I think you add Florida A&M to the blue bloods of, of black college football, your Jackson States, your Gramblings, um, your Southerns, who really has, you know, fantastic fan bases. Now, Alcorn has really emerged again in these latter years. So it, it feels like a natural fit from, from play on the field, to the alumni base, to the support that they bring into the stands every single week, uh, the tailgate fun, the party that surrounds it, all of it just feels great. And the trash talking, okay? Because let me tell you, uh, FAMU folks go hard for FAMU, but so do Southern folks, and so do Alcorn State folks, and so do Jackson State folks, and so, you know what I'm saying, Alabama State. So, yeah, we fit right in. It, that That's just like, oh, like a glove. Right. Well, I know that this spring, it's been a situation where there are other things going on, but primarily the swag is the only show in town and getting a lot more exposure. What are your thoughts on the move to the spring and how it's benefited the swag and giving it a little bit more visibility? Well, I think it's been great. I mean, because, I mean, you're one of, you know, maybe a dozen FCS conferences who've had the opportunity to have everybody's eyes 
inattention during what we consider an off season of football. It's also allowed for our network to put it on more linear channels consistently week in and week out, whether it's a couple of games on ESPN, the SWAC championship game on ESPN two or um, other games on ESPN two or you that's been terrific because more people have been able to consume HBCU football. They're also some are getting their first introduction to the things that we've already known that we produce outstanding student athletes, young men in this instance for football, that we have a great legacy history and tradition within those programs. And now you're starting to see the talent again, that's been there before, but just necessarily hasn't gotten the same type of, you know, spotlight as some of your, you know, power five schools. Now everybody's been put on notice. I want to ask you about the wave of support around HBCUs. Uh, when you're talking about the, the, the fight for social justice and, and the movement behind George Floyd and all of that energy, it, it seems like the HBCUs all over the country are really benefiting, whether it be from financial contributions to student athletes uh, choosing to uh, stay away from historically white institutions and going to HBCUs. Uh, what's your thoughts on what's transpired over the last uh, couple of years? here well obviously uh, the most unfortunate events that continue to take place in our country and you would hope that the George Floyd incident was the last of you know police brutality or uh, the killing of black men and yet it continues but what has also happened is you're seeing these student athletes really use their platform and raise their voice and bring greater attention to the injustices that are happening in our society. And as a result of that, I think the younger generation is beginning to realize their worth, their value, and their power. And so perhaps a student athlete who's out in California or the state of Washington or, or, or someplace who may not be as familiar because they don't have a family member that went to an HBCU or a guidance counselor who helped to, you know, tip them to the game. Now they're starting to say, well, wait a minute, I can get the same exposure because I'm on ESPN, the worldwide leader. I can get a first class education. I can be around my people and I have the opportunity to make it to the league if I am so fortunate. But in case I'm not, I have got a tremendous alumni base that I can tap into and a network of people who care that want to see me succeed so I can go on to become a productive citizen, a successful um, professional and individual. Um, that's to me what HBCUs bring to the table. And I'm glad again that uh, others are starting to invest in again, what we've already known all along. I want to ask you about your partner, Jay Walker, and the chemistry that you guys have because I mean, I've done Texas Southern football for 25 years, and mm -hmm. I know some, some of these games get away from you. At that point, you lean on your partner and that chemistry to sort of keep folks entertained and engaged uh, despite mm -hmm. the, whatever's going on on the field. Talk about him and uh, your working relationship with him. Yeah, Jay is fantastic, and um, he has been absolutely great just welcoming me in helping to introduce me again to a, 
just another group or side of things within HBCU football. He's well-respected, obviously, from his playing career to the work that he's done off the field and naturally what he does in the booth. And while he may like to rile up the audiences and the fan bases may have something to say about his commentary or his analysis, uh, at the end of the day, kind of the common goal that we talked about between, you know, myself and, like, the SWAC, it's the same thing with Jay. He cares. He cares. And he wants the best for our HBCUs and for these young men that we have the opportunity to cover. Um, so he has just been a great guiding light through this process. It was awesome to call the first ever nationally televised game by a black woman with Jay Walker. And it's an honor to, to get on headsets and do it each week uh, with him. I think we make each other better. Definitely. I'm not afraid to, to stand up to him or to challenge him on some things. And while he, may be right a lot of the times. I'm not wrong a lot of the times either. So that's how we kind of go back and forth and, and joke with each other. Um, but yeah, he has just been uh, a, a great guiding light, uh, kind of like a just big brother who just wrapped you in your arms and said, okay, let's go, let's do this, let's conquer it together because he too wants to see uh, me succeed in my role and, and vice versa. And, and that's what's really helped us. Well, you guys will work together again for the SWAG Championship game and, of course, a, a great matchup in uh, Alabama A&M and uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, the game and the championship game and, and what's transpired from, what, from your vantage point this spring. I really look forward to seeing Arkansas Pine Bluff because the Golden Lions really have been teasing us the last couple of seasons that something could be brewing and now, you know, kind of the dot, dot, dot coming soon when a website is loading, boom, we have watched it in full view. The deal is I've never seen them live. Uh, so this will be my first opportunity to call uh, a UAPB game of which I'm excited about because I, I think uh, Skylar Perry is an exciting quarterback. Again, you know, you kind of go back to, what you can key in on. Skylar Perry has impressed many with his play uh, this season as a signal caller for the Golden Lions, especially when there were question marks in the backfield with a couple of guys who, you know, with thousand yard rushers who had phenomenal seasons. What would, you know, it look like in terms of an offensive attack? And uh, UAPB has responded in a mighty way. Meanwhile, you've got you know, Quill Glass, one of the most special quarterbacks in the nation, and we are privy to him and have been for a couple of games this season. He gets to do it one more, once more. And the last time he was at Mississippi Veterans Memorial Stadium, he showed up and showed out, had a career performance. Um, so I am looking forward to, quite honestly, a high-scoring game. I'm looking forward to a, a shootout um, because – uh, both of these teams are hungry, and it's been a long time for both of these teams since they've won a SWAC championship. And so this is a great opportunity because now it's it's wide open, right? Your 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 kind of usual suspects of Southern and Grambling and Alcorn State, which you know opted out this season, they're not there. So that's opened the door for other teams to take advantage. And uh, I did a FCS playoff game last night, and, and I liked what uh, one of the coaches said. 
You said that this season doesn't deserve an asterisk. Instead, it deserves an exclamation point. Just thinking about all the players have had to sacrifice, the discipline that they've had to have, the commitment that they've had to have to ensure that a season will go on and that they could be healthy to try to make it all the way to the SWAC championship game. Well, a couple more things before I let you get out of here. Now, I mean, we've seen the trajectory of your career just sort of grow and get bigger and bigger. Do you uh, see the day you'll be calling uh, games on Sundays? (laughs) That is the hope. Uh, One of these days to be able to call, you know, an NFL package. Uh, That's certainly something that I'm not shy about to say that I'm working toward. But what I'm also hopeful for is just as people have branded certain conferences as the premier conferences or the big games to call. To me, I feel like HBCU games are the big games to call. And why can't we continue to draw attention there? So, yes, to answer your question, I do want to call NFL games. But in the meantime, I also truly want to continue to grow um, with HBCUs and their, their athletics. Before we get out, I want to let you uh, have the opportunity. If folks want to reach out to you, uh, parents who, who have daughters uh, that look up to you, uh, how can folks reach out to you on social media or, or online? Yeah, um, so I'll tell you now that I'm among the worst people when it comes to social media, but I'm trying to get better. <laughs> However, you can reach me on Twitter, Tiffany A. Green, and that's green with an E at the end, or at T. Green. 34 on Instagram. So those are a couple of ways. I'm also on LinkedIn as well. So, yeah. Well, we certainly appreciate the time. And of course, uh, you know, congratulations on all of your success to this point. And uh, we certainly appreciate as fans of HBCUs and the swag, we appreciate your contributions and putting together a quality product each time out. So uh, continue success and keep doing what you're doing. And maybe we'll have an opportunity to visit down the line. Thank you. We look forward to that and peace and blessings to you. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. I want to thank Tiffany Green for joining us. An interesting conversation. And now we can all collectively follow her career. And one day I suspect we'll hear her calling some NFL games. So maybe she can make it all the way to the NFL and uh, we'll be rooting for that. want to also root for her and Jay Walker to have a great broadcast of the SWAC Championship game happening Saturday, May 1st at 2 p.m. I'm telling you, you definitely want to check that out. It's going to be a wonderful afternoon of uh, a season, abbreviated spring season, culminating with a new champion. So with that, now that we've gotten those important conversations out of the way, it's time for... The Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the player, team, entity, someone in or around the world of sports that we deem to be the big dummy of the episode. Now, uh, how this works is I get a ton of suggestions. You guys seem to love the Lamont Award, and there's no shortage of Lamont Award nominees. Well, this time out, I went back a couple of weeks because we just have to recognize this guy. And I sort of, this is the kind of Lamont Award I hate to give out because it involves a hot microphone. That's when the microphone is on, but you don't know it's on. 
and I've been in radio long enough and I have friends and I, it's, it's happened to me. Thank goodness the microphone never picked up some of the stuff that I said, because I'm sure I've said a bunch of stuff that would have gotten me into a lot of trouble. And that's exactly what happened to now former NHL referee Tim Peel. Now, Tim Peel was fired after Hot Mike captured him, boasting about whistling a penalty because, quote, he wanted to. Now, the league's actions came less than 24 hours after Peel officiated the Nashville Predators' 2-0 victory over the visiting Detroit Wings at Bridgestone Arena. So here's what happened. Shortly after Nashville forward Victor Arvidsson was whistled for a tripping penalty on Detroit defenseman John Merrill, a ringside television microphone picked up an official saying, quote, it wasn't much, but I wanted to get a penalty against Nashville early, end quote. So after the NHL investigated, they determined it was his voice, and he gone, y'all. You about to lose your job. Now, it's not really funny. You never want to celebrate somebody losing their gig, but hopefully he will find a place somewhere because, again, he's not the only one. You know across the broad spectrum of officials in different sports, this is probably just a another drop in the bucket. Now, again, that is not as sinister as fixing a game. We don't know what his motives were. And one of, like, for him to repent, I would love to hear what his motivation was. But you can't do it because the most important thing in any game is the integrity. You can't hand the team a penalty just because you want to. And you certainly can't open up the microphone and say it out loud. And because you did those two things, Mr. Peel, unfortunately, you lost your gig. But to add insult to injury, you are a big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I don't want to revel in this guy losing his job, but you can't do that. You cannot call a penalty just because you want to. But I would love to know what his real motivation was. I guess uh, that's one of those great mysteries we'll never know. But with that, before I let go. Before I let go, hey, want to thank Andrew Roberts from the SWAC office, good buddy of mine, a former Texas Southern SID, doing great work in Birmingham for the SWAC. He made that Tiffany Green interview happen. Want to thank her for visiting with us. Want to thank our uh, special teams unit member, Eddie Robinson, on his NFL birthday. The day he was drafted. Want to thank our sponsor, Cobank Homes, our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. Want to remind you guys, you can give us a call on the sports line, 832-941-6614. You can go to Wade's Word Productions and uh, look at uh, all the things that are there and listen to past episodes. You can also go to Libera Pay and make a contribution. Help us out. L-I-B-E-R-P-A-Y. And look up the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast and make a safe, secure donation to the podcast. And, of course, on social media at Wade's Word and the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group and page on Facebook. And, as always, remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. <laughs> This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.